Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. And uh, we're super excited. The Bible says that when a baby is born to the people of God, um, it's the motive of great joy and peace and uh, potential. The Bible gives us instruction as to how we are to receive the children um, and bless them and be able to speak blessing over their lives. Um, we have many uh, uh, children around the world that, that don't receive blessing. I'm going to ask you guys to stand up front here. Come on, aunts and uncles, venga los tíos, los primos. Los hermanos, Mauricio here this morning. Let's ask Morris to come forward. And Rebecca and Jeremy. Sophia's up front. The big sixer. You see, there he is. He's a champion. And God is good in this regard. I want to, I want to tell you that, that there was a time where religious people were telling, they were telling Jesus, Tell these kids to get out of here. They're bothering us. They're in the way. They're hindering us. And Jesus says, no. Suffer not the little children to come to me, for such as these is the kingdom of God. And here comes Jeremy. He's a world changer with Mauricio, his older brother. Amen. Praise God. See, as we, as we see this family, there's Rebecca, the older sister, the princess. As we see this family here, it's really powerful. They've been coming to church now for 10 years. And um, I, I have seen the mercy of God renewed upon this family. I've seen the presence of God uh, continually. Um, this, this man has big responsibility as a firstborn. He has to, he has to leave a legacy of blessing and example. Uh, his little brother there was throwing him under the bus last week. <laughs> and Jeremy was like, I'm keeping my eye on my big brother. And, um, and so he was, he was saying, Pastor, and he'll keep, me, he'll keep me in tabs. But here it is, the grace of God has come upon this family, the goodness of God. And, um, you know, when the devil is, is desiring us, taking us out and, and putting us under the gun and, and stealing from us and trying to hijack us and the purpose of God, the Bible says if we persevere, we'll see the glory of God. If we just keep going, if we trust the Lord and all he's doing in our life. So um, let's go ahead this morning and, and give all full attention to presenting Benjamin to the Lord. This is a, a world-changing prince here. This little baby's going to change the world. Amen? And he doesn't, he doesn't know what's going on. But God does. And God is a, a powerful God. And so we, why don't you stand up with me and extend your hands this way. And let's just present him to the Lord. His mom wanted to bring him to the house of God and to make sure that his life is filled with glory. The devil wants his life to be filled with shame. But we know that our God is a powerful God that turns all things into his glorious reality. Father, we thank you, O oh God, for your mercies upon our life that are constantly renewed in your love and embrace. You said you would never leave us. You would never forsake us, Lord. You're not ashamed to call us your sons. And we are, Father God, 
with this morning we just praise your holy name for the life of Benjamin oh God we give you thanks for every circumstance in his life we know that you have fashioned him marvelously and wonderfully in his mother's womb we know father God from the first day until the last day your mercy will be upon his life as you will fulfill your glorious purpose Lord and his mom wanted to make sure Lord that he was surrounded by your protection he was surrounded by your goodness that he would see your mercies and your favor upon his life all the days of his life, Lord. That he should dwell in the house of the Lord forever, O oh God. We rebuke the devourer, Lord. We rebuke him who comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And Father, we pray, Father God, that you would just dress and robe Benjamin with robes of righteousness and adorn him with a glorious attraction and favor of God and man all the days of his life, Lord. Father God, we will praise you we will sing songs of glory and praise of your faithfulness, Lord. And we pray that your hand would never depart from his life, Lord. That you would keep him in goings and his comings, Lord. That you would fill him with wisdom and joy beyond his peers, O oh God. Beyond his companions. Allow him to be the favorite of the Lord in this family, O Lord. Let him be refreshed with the words of praise, of affirmation, of assurance, O oh God. And we pray, Father God, that you would give wisdom to his mom, O oh God. You would give wisdom to his mom so that he might see the character of Hannah, Lord. A woman who loves the Lord, that raises up a prince to serve you in the fear of God. We give you thanks, O oh God, for his sisters and his brothers, Lord. And his uncles and aunts, O oh God. That you would, and the cousins, O oh Lord. That they would all be examples of your purpose in his life, O oh God. Let them always bless him, O oh God. And take good care of him, Lord. We pray for Jeremy, his older brother, Lord. Make him a world-changing prince to be an example, leaving a legacy. Father Rebecca, also Father God. We give you thanks for Jurgen, O oh God. Allow him to be a model and an example of a godly character for the life of this son, O oh God. We give you thanks for Morris, Lord. And we pray, Father God, that you would allow your favor to continue to be the uh, first fruit of this family. The first fruit, Father God, the prince that will leave a legacy of example to his brothers and sisters, O oh God. Let your wisdom fall upon this family, Lord. Father, remove shame, remove anguish, remove every attack of the devil upon this family, O oh God. That they might glorify and serve you in this generation for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 There he goes. Oh, Benjamin is smiling. He knows he got his blessing today. Ain't no devil's going to stop him from fulfilling God's call on his life. It's a blessing to have a mother who fears the Lord. A mother who will bring her child to the house of God. That will teach her children the ways of the Lord. And God had told his people, this is how you're to bless your children. You shall say, the Lord bless you. And the Lord keep you. And the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his face upon yours and give you prosperity and peace. And you shall put the name of God upon your children so that I will bless them. Amen? And so very important. Uh, the devil is trying to keep us away from that reality. And we're pressing into it. Um, there is nothing, I mean, you could become a Mormon, a Jehovah Witness, you could become a, you could do yoga, you could do everything you want. Once you declare yourself as a Christian, man, every demon in hell is set up against you, amen? So we want to press into this and, and make our assurance of what God wants. I hope you came to the house of God to hear God. I know that 
that I'm doing the speaking, but I, I pray that your spirit would hear the spirit of God and receive the provisions that God wants you to receive today. Um, let's go ahead and, and watch this video that we have prepared. We watched it last week. Um, get into, ready? Get into spiritual mode, okay? Get, get into what, what you need to receive from God right now. And, and every, every second counts. Here it goes. Let's go ahead and watch this. As a boy, I shared a game with my father. Played it every morning till I was three. He would knock, knock on my door and I'd pretend to be asleep till he got right next to the bed. Then I would get up and jump into his arms. Good morning, Papa. And my Papa, he would tell me that he loved me. We shared a game. Knock, knock. Until that day when the knock never came. And my mama takes me on a ride past cornfields on this never-ending highway till we reach a place of high, rusty gates. A confused little boy, I entered the building carried in my mama's arms. Knock, knock. We reach a room of windows and brown faces. Behind one of the windows sits my father. I jump out of my mama's arms and run joyously towards my papa's, only to be confronted by this window. I knock, knock, trying to break through the glass, trying to get to my father. I knock, knock, as my mama pulls me away before my papa even says a word. And for years he has never said a word. And so 25 years later, I write these words for the little boy in me who still awaits his papa's knock. Papa, come home, because I miss you. Miss you waking me up in the morning and telling me you love me. Papa, come home because there's things I don't know and I thought maybe you could teach me how to shave, how to dribble a ball, how to talk to a lady, how to walk like a man. Papa, come home because I decided a while back I want to be just like you, but I'm forgetting who you are. And 25 years later, a little boy cries and so I write these words and try to heal and try to father myself and I dream up a father who says the words my father did not. Dear son, I'm sorry I never came home. For every lesson I fail to teach, hear these words. Shave in one direction with strong, deliberate strokes to avoid irritation. Dribble the page with the brilliance of your ballpoint pen. Walk like a god and your goddess will come to you. No longer will I be there to knock on your door, so you must learn to knock for yourself. Knock, knock down doors of racism and poverty that I could not. Knock, knock on doors of opportunity for the lost brilliance of the black men who crowd these cells. Knock, knock with diligence for the sake of your children. Knock, knock for me, for as long as you are free, these prison gates cannot contain my spirit. The best of me still lives in you Knock, knock with the knowledge that you are my son But you are not my choices Yes, we are our father's sons and daughters But we are not their choices But despite their absences, we are still here Still alive, still breathing With the power to change this world One little boy and girl at a time Knock, knock, who's there? We are! <laughs> keep trying to figure out what I did wrong. Daddy. I've always wondered why you left. If you'd ever come back. I keep trying to figure out what I did wrong. Am I that unlovable?
I watch my friends with their dads, and sometimes I get jealous. I see how their dads encourage them, how they help them. I see how they protect their daughters, how they love them. I wonder why I wasn't enough for you to stay. Sometimes I just want to feel like I'm worth something to someone. I look at my life and I see what I've become, and I wonder how different it would have been if you were here. Father, I thank you this morning for your goodness in our lives. Give you thanks, Lord, that we find ourselves every second of every moment of our existence facing you, even in the midst of every circumstance. And that is just a testimony of your character that you would never leave us nor forsake us, O oh God. Your promises to be with us to the end of the age is fulfilled in every breath that we take. And the embrace of your presence everywhere we are with whatever we go through. And for that, we praise you and glorify your name. We pray that this morning in the house of God, we might receive your word. That there would be an impartation of your presence and spirit in us, Lord. To make us a light to this world. Father God, that we could shine so brightly. So that all those who have suffered what these two videos have shown. The abandonment of dad. The forsaking of men that is so crucial to our development and health, O oh God. We pray, Father God, that we would grow in your character and not contrary to your very existence. That we would be present in our families. That we would never forsake our home. That we would never abandon our church and house of worship. That your presence in us would give us the strength to live like you want us to live in the lives of the people that you have placed in our lives. Now prosper your word in the hearts of your people so that it would take like a seed, that it would be rooted and grounded and grow and flourish, giving forth fruit and a harvest, Lord, that says that we are your garden, that we are your field, that we're growing your fruit, O oh God, and not Satan's. We pray, Father God, that you would prosper this word and make it a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path so that we might be transformed from darkness to light, from problems to and confusion to answers and refreshing. Prosper this word in the hearts of your people that we might change this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. There is nothing that more contradicts the nature of God than this horrible word called abandonment. It's horrible and in every letter of this word has a significance and a definition that should be totally removed from our heart and existence. The word abandonment causes people to experience this toxic shame in their lives. Abandonment sends one message and it's contrary to the message of God. The message abandonment sends is you're not worth anything. You're not, you're not good. It arises from the from the statement, you have no value, you're not important. And so every time that this is declared and manifest, we don't see the heart or the face of God. We see the very character of Satan. 
And abandonment takes place in so many aspects. And the expression of abandonment is that which is full of the nature of Satan, full of the character of a sinister, wicked being like himself. I used to tell clients in my law office that there's three awful things that you could do in a marriage relationship to cause its destruction. And the most powerful one is called abandonment. Neglect is the other one, indifference. Neglect is just walking away and not caring. But abandonment says you have no value. That's why I'm leaving. I'm not coming back to you. I'm not caring for you. I'm not upkeeping you. Abuse is the third one. Physical abuse, sexual abuse, psychological abuse. I want to tell you that for everything that Satan has declared, and and you guys know, and and I don't have to get into it because I believe each one of us have been the victim and the, the, the person who has suffered abandonment. There's an issue here with the character of God, and it's one of my favorite characteristics of God. Ready? Omnipresent. Always there. In every time, in every situation, all seasons, God is there. And we cannot call ourselves Christians and be known as those who abandon. We cannot call ourselves in the nature of Christ when we walk and have fruits of continual abandonment in every course of our existence. So that is why as we become, as we become familiar with God, we start shedding, we start sharing his character attributes of being faithfully present in every situation. In every situation we're there. In every situation we care, every situation we protect, we keep. We're addressing our full potential of everything we are in the place that God has placed us. And that could be in a family, that could be in a marriage, that could be in a church, that could be in a work setting, that could be as a father to a child, a husband to a wife, a sister to a brother, a a church member to its house of worship and fellowship. We don't walk in the character of Satan. We walk and profess to be those that walk in the character of God, and this is one of his character, omnipresent. He has an infinity ability to be at every address without any limitation, fully expressing his help and assistance. The reason why I like omnipresence is because I know it doesn't matter what I'm going to go through and where I'm at, God's going to be right next to me giving me his full support. And that's what draws us to God. That's what draws us to his Love, Psalm 121 verse 3 says he will never let you fall. You know why he'll never let you fall? Because he'll be right there next to you. He will never allow your feet to be moved. He will keep you. He who keeps you will not slumber. Verse 5 says like this, Behold, verse 4, he who keeps his people Israel shall never bat a wink. He's not going to fall asleep. He's not going to get distracted. He's not going to Uh, fall into a deep sleep verse 5 the Lord is our keeper the Lord becomes a refreshing even in the times of our strength even in the times of our high ability so we we must hate the nature of Satan we must hate the nature of abandonment and embrace Christ's legacy in Matthew 28 verse 20 he says teach them everything that that I've taught you, 
Teach them to observe everything, to give adherence to all things that I commanded you, particularly that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I really want this to be a day of transformation in our character. I really want this to be the day, it doesn't matter who quits and who leaves, who abandons, who forsakes, who throws in the towel, that you would say, I'm not. You left, but I won't. You don't care, but I do. You're not going to help, but I'm going to put my full strength into where God has placed me because that is the issue of abandonment. When Jesus says, I am with you all the days, I want to ask you a question. Where is it that you think we can go where he's not going to be there? You think that just because you left the church, God will leave you alone? You left the fellowship, God will leave you alone? You left your family, God will abandon you? You left your marriage, God is no longer there? Thank God, listen to me what I'm going to say, thank God God is not like us. Thank God every second that his character is tried and true in his ability to make us stay in the places where he has put us. As we read Psalm 139 verse 7, the question David asks is, where can I go that you won't be there? Where can I go to be far from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? Could you answer that question this morning? Say with me, nowhere. Because God refuses under any circumstance, under any situation to abandon. He is not described as one who abandons. He is not described as one who forsakes. He's not described as one who throws it out and would render something without value and without importance. Because that I don't care what the situation is, that's the message you're sending when you decide to abandon. He says, well, I didn't mean to. It doesn't matter what you meant to. There's only one very precise definition in this word. It's satanic in nature. It's the very nature of Satan himself. God would never under any circumstances throw his people out. Where can I go to be far from your presence? In verse 8, he says like this, if I go to heaven, you're there. But even if I decide to make my bed in hell, behold, you are there too. Can you think of the most disastrous circumstances would justify you abandoning something? Could you imagine the factors that it would take for you to make that decision? Guess what? That's not God. That is Satan in his nature himself that causes us constantly to part with those things that God has put in our lives so that we're not telling God's story. We're telling Satan's. He says, even if I were to go to hell, there you are. Uh, verse 9, it says like this. If I take the wings of the morning, this is what we were talking about on Wednesday this week. We figured out why God has not given men wings. Why God has not given women wings. Why? Because they would fly far from everything they know. In the midst of adverse, adversity and travail and trials and afflictions and hardship, they would, they would grow wings in a second and they would fly far from that place. Guess what? Thank God our God is able to be everywhere at all times. He says, I will take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Someone wrote a poem, a song that says, I want to get in a boat and just take off into oblivion. Verse 10, even there your hand shall lead me. Even there I'm going to be part of the answer and not part of the problem. 
I'm not going to allow my situation and circumstance to make me trade teams and put on the jersey of Satan and say, guess what? I am going to leave. No, even in that moment where I feel that I want to be far off, the hand of God leads me and his right hand shall hold me. Verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness shall follow me, I'll hide myself in the darkest places, even the night shall be light around me. Even if I were to go to the darkest prison, even if I was to go to the middle of satanic seances, there God is present and surrounds me by light. Verse 12. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. He's not going to allow good times or bad times to justify the leaving. Amos chapter 9 verse 2. God says, even if men were to do the, the most incredible, for they dig into hell, from there my hand shall take them. Even as we purposefully dig ourselves and saying, I want to die, I want to lose, I want to quit, I want to be filled with demons, God is there all the way reaching his hand out to you. Though they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. If you get too proud, God will be faithful to bring you down out of your high place. Verse 3. And though they hide themselves on the top of the highest mountain, Carmel, from there I will search and take them. Though they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, from there I will command the serpent, and it shall bite them. I'm going to deal with them until they come. They come out of their darkness, out of their place of desolation. Jeremiah 23, 23. I am the God that's near at hand, says the Lord, and I'm not far off. Can anyone hide himself in a secret place so I shall not see him? Is there a secret place where somebody could run and I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth? Genesis 28, 15, Behold, I'm with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not even know. Many times we think we're far from God, right? And all of a sudden we see him and we walk right straight into his brace. Proverbs 15.3, the heart of God says, My eyes are on every place watching the evil and the good. I'm taking place of every detail, every situation. Let me tell you something, where, where demons fear to tread, God is present. Where the devil does not want to even come close, God is there and he's, he's instantly present for us in the time of our need. Genesis 16, 13, she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God who sees. For she said, I have even remained alive after seeing him. He is a God who sees. He's, uh, the Isra Israel's Jewish history says, as long as God's face was towards us, his help was on the way. And God is a God whose countenance is always, listen to me, always turned towards us. And so we fall utterly short of becoming like God every time we make a decision to up and leave. In Isaiah 43, 2, it says, Even when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will flame burn you. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful that God intends to be present? I'm concerned about not God, but us. 
What is our disposition? How does that nature creep into us that we turn and forsake our own? How is it that we, the Bible says that Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive him. That didn't cause him to get up and go. For the Bible says in Deuteronomy 4.31, For the Lord thy God, he's merciful. His character is not to forsake thee, neither destroy thee. Nor will he forget the covenants he's made unto thy fathers, which he swore unto them. Psalm 11.4 says, His eyes behold every son of man. He is holy in his temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold And he's looking at man constantly to see their ways. Hebrews 13.5 says, We have a confidence in the Lord. Let your conduct be without any disparity of desire. Be content. Be satisfied with that which you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We don't have to walk around. Psychologists say that the, the dra- dragon, uh, fire-breathing dragon, worst of all ills in the heart of man are the effects of abandonment. That a man who is abandoned, a woman is abandoned, will carry that like toxic inner personal shame all the days of their life. And so at any moment when abandonment is on the forefront And on the surface of our relationships, we don't take well to it. It affects us the rest of our lives. It'll affect our marriage. It'll affect our children. It'll affect our grandchildren. Deep-seated feelings of abandonment and things we should not play. I would tell you that this is the nature of Satan himself. As he abandoned the place where God put him and forsook his role in that eternal order. And thus became the forefront runner of all that walk in the nature of abandonment. It's not the character of Christ, for sure. Those of us that are in Christ now would not want to take one step in that direction, any part of our conversation or lives. Not once. The Bible says he became a leader in Jude chapter 1 verse 6. He began to convince other people to abandon their places. And so he took a third of the angels with him. It seems that people who walk in abandonment encourage continual abandonment. The Bible says the angels who did not keep their proper domain. And you'll see that it says, but left. Left. Forsook. Decided to get up and go. And say it's not of the value of our desire. The angels who did not keep. That's that's one one of the important things of abandonment. For us to understand that where God placed you, it was with purpose. God didn't just throw you in a place so you could leave and and, and leave it to be the the reflection of of no value, no order, no concern, no, no addressing your responsibility with what he's given you to order that place. He put you there for a purpose. And when you forsake that place, everything unravels and you say, it'll be fine. Listen to me. No, it won't. No, it won't be fine. It's a very 
formula of Satan. In, in fact, one of the words um, in the origins of abandonment means to be left to ruins. And we talked about that. We talked about civilizations that forsook the heart of God. Now you could go to Greece and see ruins. You could go to Egypt and see ruins. You could go to um, uh, Mexico and see uh, the pyramid ruins. You could go into South America and see ruins. Civilizations that not, did not follow the heart of God. Left everything in abandonment and ruins. And that's what the word means. To leave in ruins. To leave to fall apart. To unravel. And all with a specific purpose. If you, if you tear apart the word abandon against a ban on gifting. The word don is, is gift. Ban is to, to you, you put ropes there. You, you ban it like banning a concert or banning a park. You're not going to go there no more. You're, you're going to abandon it from, from showering with your gifts. And it says the angels that did not keep their proper domain, the place God had placed them, but abandoned their own place of residence. What are the consequences for these characters? Listen well to, to what is brought upon those who abandon and to leave their proper domain to go elsewhere. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for judgment of that great day. They, they stood up and left where God had placed them. And they're playing games. And they're not showering their gifts and their strength upon that place that God has put them. And it says they are reserved for eternal judgment. And I, I want to say that there's such a confusion in our generation that we, here's what we do. We leave the place God gives us. We leave the family where God has put us. We go over here. We start another family. And then we say like this, I can't abandon them. You have created the confusion. Because abandonment says you left the place of origin. Where God put you with a purpose. And so we embrace, oh, I'm leaving the church, I'm going to a nightclub, and now I'm out here in my place that I, and I can't abandon my, well, are you kidding me? You, you can't abandon the place that you chose, but you could abandon the place God chose? That's how confused we are in this world. A man leaves his wife. Honey, I can't live with you. It's too much. He gets a girlfriend. He says, I can't leave her because I have too much emotional. Uh, are you kidding me? You, for, you can't leave what you chose, but you can left what God chose. That's the confusion of the generation we're living in. And these words here that kept not is theros. This is a Greek word that says um, they kept not. They looked after they, they looked after something else with value. They didn't value and prize and, and understand the significance of purpose of the origin of, you know, people that they just, they, they go from church to church forsaking the assembly of worship. They, they go somewhere else and they're not in the place where God has allowed them to be rooted, grounded, and flourish with purpose. You guys always know that that uh, my testimony of my high school, every year they were changing a mascot. One year we were the Spartans, the next year we were the Warriors, then we became the Eagles, then we were the Panthers. And when you start mutating into all these things, what are you? 
You're a monster. You're a five-headed monster with 50 other attributes. And that's how we are as we're given over to continual abandonment of all things. We don't keep close and see our eyes in anything. The act of abandonment must not be confused with the casual acts. John chapter 8 verse 25, Jesus says like this, they constantly said, who are you? Tell us who you are. We want to know who you are. And Jesus says, just what I've been saying to you from my very beginning origins. I am he who have always been since the Lord put me where he put me. I'm not mutating into something else. I haven't become a monster. I'm, I don't have 50 families. I don't have 50 sons. I don't have 50 churches. I don't have 50 pastors. Abandonment is straight from the pit of hell. Straight from the pit of hell. It makes you not form part of the team. And Jesus says, I am who I always have been. I'm not like Satan. The nature of Satan has fallen as a virus to all peoples everywhere. Now everyone is leaving everyone. Proverbs 2.17, it says, The wife who abandons her husband, the one that was there for her since she was a young girl and forgets the covenant of her God. I got to get up and go. Why? Well, because right now I'm being motivated, not by heaven, but by hell. A husband who abandons his wife, he says, I got to go. Why? Because there's too much heat in the kitchen. And this, this is not just the modern man. We go back to Genesis chapter 3. And we see there that, that Adam says, I was afraid, so I abandoned, I hid. I left where you had placed me. What are you talking about you hid? You see, abandonment is not only in the nature of sin, but it's the consequence of a circumstances that cause you to abandon. And I want to ask you something. What caused you to abandon? What caused you to act like Satan? And then you tell me your story. And I'll tell you another story. You can act like Christ in that very moment and say, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I'm going to be here to the last day because I'm going to walk in the character and the purpose of God. Even if it's hell on earth, I'm going to see his glory. I'm going to see his faithfulness. I'm going to see his goodness. The most awful things we have seen in our days of mothers throwing their babies in the abortion clinics and dumpsters all across the land. Psalm 27.10, the Bible knew that the day would come where this would happen, so he wrote this for the children. Even when my father and my mother have forsaken and abandoned me, the Lord will take care of me. The Lord is going to be there for me. His help is going to be on my side. His embrace will be there every night. And God knew that this toxic nature of Satan would come into the heart of man, cause him to forsake his marriage, cause him to forsake his children, and in John 6, 6, 6, and you see those three numbers, right? The nature of Satan. The saddest verse in the whole Bible. From that time on, many of his friends, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And you can see that the verse is nice and clear. You like that? John 6, 6, 6. The nature of Satan. To get up and to go. To get up and to abandon. To get up and say, I quit. I throw the towel. I forsake. I give up. That's straight from the toxic waste of hell. To stay in your place is to look after it. To be entrusted with that which you care for. Deuteronomy 12, 19, the people would begin to leave their pastors. 
And so God ordained a long time ago something that we probably should have read the first day we got saved. Deuteronomy 12, verse 19. Be careful to thyself that you not abandon the priest, the pastor that I've put in your life as long as you live upon the earth. I'm just wondering if God has a tie with us and the people who minister to us. How many say amen? There's a big difference for the young people that were born in this house in the faith and if they were, if they were to be born somewhere else or if they, were to, uh, if they were to grow up far away from the spiritual home where God put them. How many think it would be a significant bent on their future? Amen? It would be a significant bent on their future relationship with their wives and their families. Having been born in the house God has chosen. Take heed to yourself. Okay, pastor, this was, the, this was the, the preaching I needed to hear to never hear you again. Right? Today's my day that I decided once and for all that I'm taking off. I'm going to be mo- motivated and moved in the nature of Satan to leave. Hebrews 10.25 says not only will they leave their place of their connection with their pastor, but they will abandon the worshiping and coming togethers. Make sure that you do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together as some of you have it as a custom already. It's normal for you. And then turning to each one, each one turning to the other, exhorting so much more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. Why? I want to tell you why. I don't know what God is going to do to look into the face of a person who has a long history and line of abandonment. He's going to ask you, where's your family? Where's your husband? Where's the church I put you in? Where are the ministry teams I put you in? And there, if you keep on reading that verse, which a lot of people don't know, you'll be able to say the verses that follow that God is a quenching fire. That God doesn't play games with ministry. God God doesn't play games with eternal... um, Verse 26, for if we deliberately and continue to sin in this manner... After we know the truth, there remains no more provision for your sin. Verse 27, there's nothing left than a certain, say with me certain, for sure, fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour those who oppose God. Verse 28, if anyone under the law of Moses rejected And we're without mercy. Verse 29. How much worse punishment will it be supposed us worthy of those who trample underfoot God and count the blood of his covenant and insult the spirit of grace? Verse 30. For this is what God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. The Lord will judge his people. Verse 31. It is a fearful thing. To fall into the hands of a living God. We cannot cannot turn our faces to this reality and say there's no problem. Psalm 55 verse 4, he says, My heart was saddened within me with all types of pain and terror. I felt like I was going to die. I was trembling, horror. I was frightened and overwhelmed. And I said, now that if I had wings, verse 6, I would fly away. I would wander. I would hasten to escape and find refuge somewhere else. I want to tell you something that 
God taught us we're not to run anymore. God taught us we're not to sit there and act like devils in the midst of fear and pain. Genesis 3.10, Adam says, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden and I was full of fear. I was exposed. I had all manner of things upon my life. So therefore, I took off and I hid myself. A lot of people leave in abandonment because they are full with shame. They're full with the inability to explain what's taking place with them. The Bible says that Jesus became a curse for us, that we would not walk in abandonment. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Let's read that real quickly. He became a curse. He suffered on the cross the day that he says, Father, Father, why have you abandoned me? He became a curse. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Because it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. When he took that place on the cross... And he said, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Matthew 27, 49. Why are you forsaking me? Why did you leave me? It's so that you might be embraced. It's so that you might cure yourself from ever, listen to me, ever, under any circumstances, abandon no one. Under any circumstances. It's not the heart of God. Matthew 27, 46. I said 49. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In my time of need, you're no longer present. And so we know that God has cured that in our lives. And God is astonished to see Jeremiah 17, 13. This is what God says. This is what God says to his people. The hope of Israel says, all who forsake you shall be ashamed. Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth. That means that pretty soon it's going to be a temporal season because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Let's stand this morning and let's ask God to have mercy upon us and our spirit to, to get that out of our system, to get that out of our usual DNA and practicing patterns. Abandonment is straight from the pit of hell. Abandon for where? From the place where God placed you. Why? Because there's purpose. And you will not go without issue before the presence of God to be playing around with these things. God wants you to flourish, to be fruitful. He wants those things around you to be strong. He's put you there with purpose. Abandonment is not the way to go. I want to, every time you see this word, for you to see the devil written right there. I want Satan to come up into your mind every time you decide that you would follow his footsteps into abandonment. And it doesn't matter what it is or what situation and what time it is. Romans 8 says that, that God would never, under any circumstances, ever depart from us. And that should be our nature. That should be the confidence we breathe in those people that are around us. Otherwise, we're constantly waiting for something to take place. I remember a friend of mine was married, and he would always look at his wife, and he's like, one more time, just one more time, one more time, and it's over. The Bible says there in Romans 8, verse 37, in all these things, we could be strong and conquer because of him who loved us. Because now in this 
relationship with God, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. There's nothing high and nothing low. There's nothing that exists that's created that shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. In verse 35, he asked the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? At what point is Christ going to get up and go? Should it be in the middle of your trials? The answer is no. In tribulation, the answer is no. In hardship and trials and distress, no. In persecution, when they're talking bad about us, good about us, when they're for us, when they're against us, no. In times of famine, we, we read the story of Naomi who leaves to Moab. Oh, I'm not getting what I want here. I'm going to go to where I want. She abandons her people in the time of famine. The judgment upon her is the death of her husband and two sons. And she comes back full of bitterness. And she says, look at the consequences that God did for me in my disobedience. In famine, no, God's not going to leave us. In nakedness, no. When we're shamed, when we've done things that are improper, unheard of, God's not going to leave us. In peril, which is the Spanish word peligro, in danger. When, when, when it's dangerous, when the things are right there and, and it's going to cost our life, will he get up and go? No. It's not the nature of Christ. It's not the nature of his spirit. Where can I hide from your spirit? No. If we're filled with that spirit, you could imagine what's going to happen. How about in sword? When it's going to cost you your life. And guess what? Jesus says, listen, I'm never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever, never, 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 ever, ever, never, never, ever, ever, never, 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 ever, ever, times a million, hundred million will leave you. And so I could only say this morning, are you on that team? Are you on that team? Are you part of that family? Are you filled with that spirit? Are you standing on that rock? Have you embraced that faithfulness? So I promise you, if you do, you're going to be a delightful land. You'll be a peaceful land. When those people that abandon you come back, you'll still be there doing what you're supposed to be doing with a big, with a big smile on your face. I'm glad you came back. Good. We could continue being faithful. We could continue doing what God has called us to do to change the world. We're not going to be moved. We're on the rock. The rock doesn't move. And this spirit needs to be in you. And it needs to be your legacy and your testimony. Hell or high water, you are standing fast on the rock that never moves. The rock of ages. Father, I give you thanks this morning. And I don't want to leave here this morning without giving an opportunity for those that you're talking to. The desire to be transformed from sorrow to joy and laughter.